You're listening to Faith Assembly of God Online, a recording of our weekly service. Thanks for joining with us, a place where hope and reality converge. In John chapter 5, Jesus is on a journey and he's on his way back to Jerusalem. And starting with verse 1, this is what it says as he comes into Jerusalem. He's heading back in for a celebration. He had been out uh, in Cana. If you remember in in Cana, he had uh, performed the first miracle. Then he later on meets the woman at the well. He has all of these encounters. He's performed two miracles at this point. And he's about ready to perform the third miracle of his early ministry, of his starting ministry. And as he's coming back into Jerusalem, there's an occasion that is a a Jewish festival. And we pick it up in verse 1 of John chapter 5. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the sheep gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Now I want you to recognize here that John goes to extra length, and, or not extra length, but John doesn't just say Jesus came to the pool of Bethesda. It gives description. There's at least three descriptions that he gives here. He says he came through the sheep gate to the pool of Bethesda where there are five porches or covered porches that surround the pool. He's giving detail. And I believe that John's reason or John giving detail, there's significance. There's something behind that. We're going to look at that this morning. But he gives the description of where Jesus comes to near the pool of Bethesda. Verse 3, crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew how long he had been ill, he asked him, would you like to get well? Isn't that an appropriate question? It might even seem like a foolish question, really. I'm sitting here by the pool because we're believing for healing. I'm lame, or I'm not just lame, I'm paralyzed. And Jesus asked the question, hey, do you want to get well? But Jesus is drawing a response from him and setting, setting a, a, an important matter in place. And here's what the man replies with in verse 7. Jesus says, do you want to get well? Verse 7, I can't. How many know those are two words that will just affect anything we can do for the glory of God? I can't. I, I want to say to you today, if we're going to be people on this legacy journey, we've got to quit saying I can't. We've got to quit saying and looking at the things that we're not able and recognizing. He says these words. He says, I can't, for I have no one to help me into the pool. When the water is stirred up while I'm trying to get there, someone else always gets ahead of me. Let me recognize he's complaining. He's saying, I've got issues. There's problems. There's nothing going in my favor. Things aren't working out for me. I'd really like to be whole, but it's not working. I'd really like to be healed, but it's not going my way. I'd really like for things to be better, but it's not happening the way I think it should happen or want it to happen. He gives his excuses. Verse 8, Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your sleeping mat and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up the mat and began walking, but this miracle happened on the Sabbath day, so the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. It's illegal to carry that sleeping mat. He replied, the sick man or the lame man or the paralyzed man, formerly paralyzed man, replies, he says this in verse 11, the man who healed me told me, pick up your sleeping mat. And walk. Father, I pray this morning that we would hear the words that you speak. And God, that we would allow you to set a course in us. 
that God, we would become agents of your healing, that God, we would receive your healing, and Lord, that we would be those who have received so that we might give. We pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. If we're going to walk to a legacy journey, a place of where we've never been before, we've got to be people who walk in the healing power and the presence of God. Simply because we live in a world that's broken. We live with broken people. They're in our homes. They're in our families. They're in our neighborhoods. They're in this church. It's even you and it's even me at times. We're people of need and people of of not having it all together. And we need to be those who, who are agents of healing, allowing this process of healing. Jesus, of course, is on this journey and just like us in life, He comes to a crowd of people who are broken. They're hurting, the blind, the lame, the sick. They're gathered around this pool. The Bible says that Jesus, as He walks in, He walks through the sheep gate and and He comes to this place called the Pool of Bethesda. Everybody in that town would have known about it in that season. They knew this is where you went if you were sick. If you were hurting, you sat by the pool because it was believed that an angel would stir the waters. And as the angel would stir the water, you would get in. And there were five points from which you could get in. And if you got in, it was one of the ideas that if you got there in time, you'd be able to get healed. And so they gather around and lay on the porches waiting for that water to stir. Looking for their chance for healing. Looking for that opportunity. And here they are in this place of, of where they're looking for something to be healed. And the Bible gives description. We pointed it out already. But verse 2 says, Inside the city, near the sheep gate, was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Now he could have just simply said, the pool of Bethesda. And everybody in that time would have known. But he gives description. John is writing with description and says, the sheep gate. That would have been at the north because Jesus, where he was traveling, he would have had to come through the sheep gate. You could have even put it together and said, yeah, he's coming from the north. He would have gone through the sheep gate. But John makes it a point to say, through the sheep gate, the pool of Bethesda, and there are the five porches, they're covered. I believe he's giving detail because he's wanting us to see what is surrounding this man. Because when you look at the definitions, and it intrigued me with this, when I thought John is giving more detail than is needed to the reader. The heart of the story. So if he's giving detail, there's something to it. So I thought, what are the definitions of these things that are given? And if you look at this, here's what John is saying. He says, the sheep gate. As he goes into the city near the sheep gate. And the sheep gate means the gate of grace. It's where the sheep would have been brought in for sacrifice. And the sacrifice were made on the sheep that were sacrificed is how God would have relationships. Their sins were forgiven because of the sheep. And so they called that the gate of grace. And so as you walk through the gate of grace, there in Bethesda was the pool of Bethesda. And Bethesda means the house of mercy. And also at the house of mercy, he says there are five porches and there are five covered porches. And the number five represents the, the number or symbolic of redemption, redeemed by grace. That what God does, he does by grace. And, and here's the grace of God to give us what we're not deserving in ourselves and he makes available because the grace is what he takes and even if you remember when Jesus did the miracle with the loaves of bread there were five loaves of bread and he took what was limited and he made an abundance of he takes what is small and makes an abundance it's a redemption to where he takes our sin that is that is that is something of great value but he gives a grace that is far beyond far beyond deserving if you look as well the the redemption of being set free something that is redeemed 
means to be brought back. Now, I, I find it interesting then when you go back and you look at the creation and what was created on the fifth day. If you remember what was created on the fifth day, the Bible says that he created birds of the air and fish of the sea. And then on the sixth day, he created other animals. But specifically on the fifth day, the fifth day was reserved for the birds of the air and for the fish of the sea. On that five, it sounds significant to me that the birds of the air, and every time you think of the air, it's a place of freedom. It's a place of soaring. You know what it's like. You say the sky's the limits. It's the open sky. It's opportunity. It's a place where we can flourish and a place where there's no boundaries. That on that fifth day, he created the birds of the air and he created the fish of the sea, the water of course representing the washing and the changing that he comes and cleanses that in our lives this number of significance this this season or or this place that surrounds them is a whole place that is dripping with grace and mercy there is favor and kindness of God all over this place do you get the picture he walks through the gate of grace the gate that opens the way to the grace of God he's in the house of mercy and surrounded by the five pillars or five porches that have, and the number five of this place that has a covering. And how many know that's significant as well? Because Jesus is our covering. He is our righteousness. And that covering is what is made away for us. I want you to see the picture here. This man is sitting in all the symbolic and all the places of recognition. And while he's there, he remains paralyzed. Some of us today have been dripping, have been around the places dripping with the definition of God's grace, but for some reason, we've only been around it, but have not allowed it to get on the inside of us. You might be here today, and you've come into the doors. You come to a place of worship. You come to a place of of the presence of God. You come to a place of a house of mercy and all of that, but yet some, for some reason, we remain where we are. We remain paralyzed, unable to feel. Notice the people that are there. They're, They're blind, they're lame, and they're paralyzed. Jesus goes to the paralyzed man, the one who has no feelings. You might be here today, and you say, Jason, I've been worshiping, but this God thing, I just don't feel like I can feel it. It doesn't feel. I don't have the emotions. I don't have the stirring. I can't feel it. I want you to know today, you don't get beat up because you don't feel it. He is a God that yes, we feel him, but we walk by faith and obedience. Don't wait for the feelings. Don't sit by and wait to feel something. You begin to operate and step out and honor the word of God because the feelings, I'm not saved because I feel like it. Because I have a lot of days I feel like I'm not. I'm not saved because I feel like I am. I'm not saved because I always feel so close to God. There are days I don't feel close to God and I have to let the word of God remind me who I am because circumstance and life and things that come, things don't always go my way. Things, just little things that might say, God, things aren't going the right way. And immediately I feel like, man, what's wrong with me? Right? And the enemy wants to come along and say, oh, something's wrong with you. You're not good enough. You don't have your act together. And I don't feel right. I don't feel good. I know I'm not the only one here. You live according to your feelings. The enemy wants you to stay in your feelings because he wants to push you further from the grace. He wants you to live in your condition so you cannot be able to see what's surrounding you. You forgot you just walked through the sheep gate. You forgot that you're in the place called Bethesda, the house of mercy. You forgot that you're covered by the porches that are five points that are the redemption of God. You forgot how big he is because the enemy wants to tell you just how bad you are. And you miss the goodness and the grace of what God wants to give us. Because we're stuck in the place of where we are. Jesus comes to this man. He finds this paralyzed man. And he's in this area. And Jesus looks at this one. He's been paralyzed for 38 years. 
It's not how old he is. It's just something happened. Something went awry in life. They, there was a condition. Jesus goes on later. If you read it through, Jesus says to the man later, we didn't read this, but a couple verses later, he says, make sure you don't sin. Go and sin no more because if you do, maybe possibly something worse could happen to you. So he's connecting to a sin. He's connecting. That's what Jesus is saying. So something happened in this man's life that caused him to be paralyzed, caused him to come to this place. So there might be sin that separates us. But I want you to know today, God's, Jesus is greater than the sin. He doesn't look at us and say whether or not we deserve it. He pours out his grace and mercy because that is exactly what we don't deserve. Jesus comes to the paralyzed man and he's there. He finds him laying there. And this gentleman who is, who is not able to respond in the midst of this, Jesus says to this one, you might feel that way today. There's a, a, a crowd of sick people. But I want you to know he's the Savior that in the midst of the crowd, he sees the one. In the midst of the crowd, he sees you. In the midst of everything that's around. And it's a crowd of sick people. And Jesus looks and his eyes are set on this paralyzed man. He walks up to him and he says to the man, he says, do you want to get well? That's like asking the drug addict, do you want to be set free? I believe drug addicts want to be set free. They're just stuck in their condition, and it's hard to break. Every troubled-minded person, son or daughter, they want to have a mind of peace, but they're just stuck in a condition. Everybody wants well. Jesus says to this man, do you want to get well? And the man's response, what does he say immediately? His first response, I can't. Do you want to get well? I can't. He, and here's what he says. I can't. I, I'm paralyzed. You obviously know that. And there's no one here to help me get into the water. And in, besides, even if there were, other people get ahead of me and I don't get there. There's not enough to go around. I can't. And in living in this I can't condition, and this is exactly what the devil wants to use or what the enemy wants to use in our lives to cause you and I to stay in the can't condition. Because if we stay in the can't condition, that's the place that we're not able to see what surrounds us. That our can't condition will keep us from seeing what surrounds us. That if we remain in the recognition of what we can't, then we will quit or we'll be at a place where we'll not be able to see the grace and the mercy that's dripping all over us. That he is a God who has poured out his grace, his mercy, and his love for us, that it surrounds us. But your can't condition keeps you in a narrow focus. Your can't condition just causes you to see this man was paralyzed for some reason, a disease. But before Jesus delivered him from the disease... He first delivered him from the pool. Think about that. Before he delivered him from the disease, he delivered him from the pool. Why? Because everything this man was looking for was centered around the pool. Do you want to get well? I can't. I can't get in the water. There's no one to put me in the water. And even if I could get in the water, other people get in the water first. The answer's in the water. Therefore, I can't. And Jesus is saying to him, get your eyes off of the pool. Get your eyes off of what you think your healing and your help comes from. And we limit God sometimes because we put God in a box and we say, God, I can't get well because I've got this condition. I can't get over this because this keeps happening in my life. I can't. And whatever your I can't is, that you can't, that whatever it is that I can't move forward. I can't walk in healing. I can't walk in forgiveness. What is it that you say when Jesus says, do you want to walk in forgiveness? And you say, I can't. 
Jesus says, do you want to walk in wholeness, in peace of mind? And you say, I can't. What is it that you've said I can't to? What is it that you have labeled and said, this makes it impossible? Because whatever that is, God is going to look at us and say, I want you to get your eyes off of where you think your help is and get your eyes on where your help really is. This man had to make a decision to transfer his faith from the pool to the words that were coming out of Jesus' mouth. He had to transfer his faith from the pool because all he was looking for that his help was coming from the pool. My help needs to come from the pool. You might be in a financial situation. Quit thinking that it's more money that's going to fix your problem. Quit thinking or making. You honor and worship God. You have no idea how God's going to bless and what God's going to use and what God might open doors for. Don't think you have it figured out and keep walking the track of, well, when this happens, when I get this report, when this goes, when this happens this way, you might be hanging out at the pool and staying a lot longer and prolonging an issue, a situation, when all you need to do is hear what the Word says and respond to what God has spoken to your heart. To walk, to move, to, to do what the Lord would, would, would call us to. The man had to transfer his faith. Now I love how he responds here in John 5, 8. Jesus, of course, says to him, Jesus doesn't have a conversation. The man just said, I can't. The man says, I can't. I can't. What is it that you say I can't forgive? What is it that says I can't heal from what I've gone through? What is it that says I can't move forward? What is it that you say I can't? Listen, I'm not asking you to ignore what you've gone through. I'm not asking you to act like it was no big deal. I'm not asking you to, to, to just get over it. I'm telling you today, what is it? And to address the reason that you say I can't and transfer your faith from being in that pool and to the words of God. When you begin to let the word of God be the voice and let the word of God be the direction in your life, when you begin to listen and begin to hear what his word says and respond to his word he will in that moment take you from where you've been into a place of healing if we're not healed we can't offer healing to others this is why this is so significant we come in contact with people who are broken we come in contact with hurting people i meet people a lot who are broken i don't meet any more than you do you meet the same amount of broken people that i meet it's not just because i'm a pastor we live in a broken world. We live in a place of hurt. And when we come into the midst of broken places, I've had these moments and I've said, God, I can completely relate because I've gone through what they're going through. I've been in those places. Now, I may not have experienced exactly what they're experiencing, but I've known and I've experienced some of that. And how many know that as we trust God, He takes us through those wilderness, those difficult moments, and when He heals us, we become those who are now built up in the faith and able to bring healing and encouragement and comfort to those who are around us. That that's what God wants to use, that we become, listen, if we are in a world of broken people, then how much different can we make if we become a people of healed, if we become a, a community of healed people, if we become a church of healed people, if we become a church, not just coming to church, hanging around the pool and hoping for the waters to get stirred and something to get better and something to change, but we become those people saying, no, I hear the voice of God, I hear what he says, and my faith isn't in the feelings being stirred up, my hope isn't in something just changing, my hope is that I'm responding to what the word of God says. Jesus comes along to the man and he says, do you want to get well? And the man says, I can't. Jesus doesn't say, what do you mean you can't? Jesus doesn't say, get your eyes off of that stuff. Jesus just simply says, and I don't know how calm he says it. I don't know how he responds to it. But Jesus just says to him, all right, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. This man now is at a point of decision. He has to make a decision now to either respond to what he just heard 
or to remain in the... Oh, I can't do that. Think about this. Jesus just says to the man who said, I can't get in the water. There's no one to help me. And even if so, someone gets ahead of me. I can't. Jesus said, okay, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. He's at a moment right now where he has to ask himself if he believes the words just spoken. You're here today and you're at a place where you have to ask yourself, do I believe the words that are coming from his mouth? Well, I'll wait for it to feel right. I'll wait for it. I'll wait for the waters to get stirred. Do you believe the words that are coming from his mouth? And this man had to make a decision. Well, I can't. Not yet. Maybe someday. And in that moment, he made a decision. The Bible says that he stood up. And as he stood, immediately. Now, I don't know when this, how this happened, but I know this. He didn't know it happened until he stood up. How many know he could have been healed but still laying there because he didn't actually put it into practice? Think about that for a moment. He could have actually been, I don't know how this, this healing thing works, but I believe this, it's an act of faith that when he began to step up, when he began to engage, that something happened and God did a work in his body. And the Bible says that immediately he was healed. That a moment, the moment he responded and he said, stand up, he stood up and he began to roll up his mat and he began to leave. How many know in that moment that would have gotten people's attention? You're here today and you need to make a decision. You say, I can't forgive. I can't get, get over this, this hurt in my past. I can't forgive this person. I, I can't allow this healing to happen in my life. What is it that you said I can't? Because God would challenge you and say the words of God that would say to you to allow his healing, to allow that to happen in your life. And as you begin to leave the I can't and walk into what God has for you is the moment you'll begin to recognize and you'll say, wow, I'm in the place of mercy. I'm in the place of grace. You'll be overwhelmed by what the presence of God has done. And those feelings that you think you need and you want, you can't wait for them to happen. You've got to step out in faith and believe. And as you honor God, those things begin to come about. He says, stand up. What's the man do? He stands up. He gets the attention. And he even gets the attention of certain people. Do you remember it? Jewish leaders saw the man. And what did the Jewish leaders say? Here's what the Jewish leaders said. You can't carry that, Matt. I want you to know the moment you make a decision to stand up, there's going to be people who will point to your chest and say, you can't. Because there's an enemy that wants you to stay in your can't condition. So every time you make the decision, say, I'm not staying where I can't. I'm going to rise up. There are going to be people that might come and say, hey, you can't do that. Why? Because the enemy wants to put you right back into your can't condition. He wants to put you right back where you've been. And here's the danger. The danger is you keep going back because either people have told you you can't or something has happened and you keep going back. The danger of that is that you begin to allow that to be the norm. And in your mind, you begin to settle in place and say, this is how it will all be for me I will always be the lame man the paralyzed man sitting next to the pool waiting for something to happen and I'll sit here the rest of my life waiting for something to happen because I allow myself to keep getting pushed back to the camp place of life what is it that you can't do you can't forgive you can't have trust you can't heal you can't what is it that makes you say you can't and I love how the man responds they the Pharisee said to him you can't carry that mat but he Oh, yeah, you're right. I'm a paralyzed man. I need to put my bed back out and go lay at the pool again. That's right. Here's how he responds. The man who was sick, the man who was was paralyzed, he says these words. The man who healed me told me, take up your mat and walk. The man who healed me 
told me. The man who healed me told me. What is he saying? He said, I know what you're telling me I can't do, but I'm listening to what the man who healed me. The man who healed me told me this. He said this to me. And this man immediately was learned the lesson that in order to walk in healing, he had to hear the words of the healer. And he responded to what the healer told him because the healer, Jesus Christ, told him to take up his mat and to walk. Let me ask you this morning, what words are we listening to? I can't. Something's told you I can't. He comes along. It's something I learned as a child. It was a simple song. And this morning I want to encourage you because you might be at a place of disappointment, hurt. We are broken people living among broken people. And if we remain broken, then all we do is produce brokenness around us. You might be depressed and you say, Jason, I've got a good reason for being depressed. I understand. I'm not going to argue what you've gone through. I'm not saying anything about what you face. I'm just telling you there's one whose words for you are life. There's one who says, stand up. There's one who says, quit laying in the place of I can't. Get on your feet. Take up your mat and walk. Here's how you do that. Jesus told a man who was paralyzed to stand up. You know what that means? Jesus is going to tell you to do what you think you can't do. He's going to tell you to trust him when you've thought, I don't know how to trust anybody in life. I've been hurt. I've been disappointed. I don't know how to trust. He's going to ask you to do what you think you can't do. But if you want to walk in healing, you've got to learn to do what you think you cannot do. You've got to begin to step out to walk in doing what you think you can't do. Because the moment you do that, his grace, he takes your weakness and he gives you strength. We might be weak, but he makes us strong. In our weakness, his strength is made perfect. When you begin to step out in faith to do what you were told you can't do, what you thought you couldn't do, healing begins to come. Then he says to him, he says, take up your mat. And the man rolls up his mat. And when he rolled up his mat, he was literally making a declaration, I'm not going back there again. Imagine if he would have left his mat there. If he would have left his mat there, He would have got up, stood up, and his mat was still there. And the Pharisees would have said, you can't. He would have been conditioned to just go back to the place where he was. But because he picked up his mat, I'm not going back there again. He made the decision, I'm not going, staying, and remaining. I'm not holding on. I'm not laying in that place of unforgiveness. I'm not laying in that place of hurt. I'm not laying in that place of unresolved issues. I'm not laying in that place of setback and sickness and pain. I'm taking up my mat and I'm walking. And then as you walk, recognizing this, that as we walk, people who saw us sitting now see us walking. People who saw us sick now see us whole. People who saw us depressed now see us filled with joy. People who saw us holding on to bitterness now see us walking in freedom. How many know that is what will make a difference and an impact? That's a legacy you'll leave in life. When you become healed, you leave a legacy. Listen, these are powerful words right now to a mother and a father. When you allow yourself to be healed, you will leave the best legacy you can to your sons and your daughters. When you allow healing to occur in your life, you will leave the best legacy to another generation. Your legacy will be impacted because of what you allow God to heal and to do in your life. Do you agree with that? This morning you might be here today and you say, I need to allow healing. There's some things and I'm here today and and, and you might say, you know what, I need to forgive, but you've said, I can't. I need to allow God to heal this hurt in me. I can't. Every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, you might be here today and you say, 
Jason, I can't, but today I'm acknowledging that I can't, but I'm acknowledging that he can. And so I'm hearing his words today, and I'm transferring my faith, my hope, from the pool that I'm sitting by, waiting for it to change. And I'm transferring it to his words that I'm going to believe and step out in faith and allow healing. If that's you today, would you just raise your hand this morning and say, I want to, I've been staying and I can't, but I need to leave the can't condition. Thanks for listening. Tune in again next week.